Hi, everybody. It's your lovable producer, Robert. Just here to tell you a little bit about this week's sponsor, Ground Zero Gaming. Ground Zero Gaming believes that dedication to quality parts and outstanding customer service is what every gamer wants. To prove that, they back their builds with a two-year warranty. Ground Zero can build PCs for various applications ranging from video editing, Photoshop, up to CAD programs and 3D rendering. Yes, even contractors need a PC they can rely on. So, you see their images of, like, crazy decked-out PCs with neon on them. Just remember that if you're a busy professional who needs a high-powered PC, they can build you one that's uh, business in front and party in the back, if that's what you're going for. Ground Zero also offers eSports tournament equipment and uh, facilities, as well as everything you need to start live streaming from their brand and location. Be sure to check them out at uh, Ground Zero Gaming, zero as in the digit, dot com. So GroundZeroGaming.com. Show some love for those guys for showing love to your favorite podcast network. Let's start the show. This is Macabre Grimoire with Airy Show, Travis Nye, and Robert Maley. Welcome to Macabre Grimoire, Chapter 29, The Orang Madame, The Ghost Ship, and The CIA. I'm your host, Ari Show, here with my co-host, Robert Mailing. Hey, hey, hey. And Travis Knight. Yeah, boy! He just boy, got back boy. from Vegas, so he's kind of amped he's up. He's amped up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got his little henna tattoo. He's all hopped up on sushi and sugar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's got some new toys, so he's yeah, he's going to be... He's he's, just, the car ride home is just going to be a mess. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we're talking about... Okay, so there's there's mythology um, amongst sailors about finding abandoned ships or finding ghost ships. There's lots of tales of ghost ships. There's lots we could do, like, whole episodes about right. that are pretty impressive ghost ships. This is probably one of the most impressive, hence the reason that it's the first one we're ever doing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I mean, just watching what we just watched prior to recording, I was like, God damn it. That's yeah. impressive. And it also, like, makes me wonder, like, because there's a lot of sailors, like, uh, horror stories at sea and just the various, like, creatures and stuff that they've seen or they say they've experienced. And it makes me wonder, like... What the fuck happens out in the ocean? <laughs> I don't know, but whatever it is, it it's, it messes you up enough that you think that manatees are uh, beautiful mermaids. So Aww, what happens in the manatees. ocean stays in the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> except when it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like sharks. Or like giant garbage sharks. Season. Like Sharknado. Sharknados. Sharknados. <laughs> All right. That's what I was That's, up. All right. So. Uh, this week we're going to explore the ghost ship the Orangmadan, one of the strangest ghost ship stories of all time. But did it happen, and why was the CIA's leadership so interested in it? Which is the part I kind of found out as I researched this. Mm -hmm. Giving you a little background, this is one that was on my list to do, and then the more I like did a little bit of research on it, surface research, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh well, it's it's fake for reasons I'll get into that, that convinced me it was fake. Oh. But now new information that has like convinced me like the CIA letter that we'll talk about and stuff like that right. that holy shit this actually fucking happened right. which is like mind boggling and it's terrifying yeah I'm kind of like the like UFO enthusiast who is like <gasps> but, but, 
but they're real. It's like, yeah, I, I, I know. It's like, I'm trying to think of what movie that is where it's just like, but, but they're, it's like ghosts or something like that. And the oh, character sure. is just like, but they're actually, they're actually real. And the, the one character that's used to it is just like, yeah, but what can I say? They're, it's a thing. Yeah, we're just patting my back. It's okay. It's yep. okay. Yep, you're right. <laughs> Mind blown. Oh, I think it happened in uh, the Santa Claus where uh, Neil was like, "Oh my God, Santa's real." Like, this was more of a horror. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but I mean, have you that, seen that, Santa Claus? That is scary. That trope is is something though that happens in other stuff. I'm just a Christmas movie gal. I hear you. Judy's been working on hot chocolate for like three thousand years. That's true. And have you met his friend Krampus? Yeah. Oh no! Like Not rip the... your spine out of the yeah yeah. Not Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You know, it, 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 it takes a beautiful culture like my people, the Germans, to come up with something as cool as metal as Krampus for Christmas. <laughs> it's like it, it whips the wicked children. <laughs> They're probably so sick of their kids' shit. They're just like they got just made this up and yeah. yeah. We won't even get to the part that he had a little black person friend that like helped him with all his evil. We'll get into all the implications of that. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, racism in history. <laughs> anyway, reports vary on the uh, on the start of the Orang Medan mystery, with some placing it in June of 1947 and others in June or February of 1948. Whatever the date, the saga of the Orang Medan began with an emergency distress call over Morse code intercepted by various vessels in the Straits of Malacca near Sumatra and Malaysia, which is a very famous, you know, shipping lane, one of the most important ones in the world, but also, like, its previous, like, pre-modern era reputation was a pirate haven because it's super easy to ambush ships and oh. target, super, super target-rich environment because it's one of those little channels in the world, kind of like the uh, the Gulf of Hormuz in the Middle East, where it's just, like, suddenly all the cargo ships in the world have to pass through a little place, like, six miles wide, so it's like, get them! Oh, sure. Yeah. Easy. It's easy a bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his message was split into two parts, with undecipherable Morse code gibberish between each. The first part read, All officers, including the captain, are dead. Lying in the chart room and bridge. Possibly whole crew dead. The gibberish followed, though, given the context of the second message, it may have been the fading attempts of a dying man to communicate, as the second message simply read, I die. Nothing followed after this transmission, but two American commercial ships decided to respond. With the aid of Dutch and British listening ports, the coordinates of the vessel were triangulated, and the identity of the stricken vessel was ascertained to be a Dutch freighter, the SS Orangmadan. The American merchant ship Silver Star immediately made way for the coordinates, and several hours later, uh, a lookout spotted the ship. The ship was discovered to be drifting aimlessly and with no power and uh, no visible crew. Uh, they pulled alongside, and the crew of the Silver Star called out, but uh, received no response. Uh, no radio response was made, so the ship, the uh, Silver Star, formed a boarding party. And uh, what greeted the sailors on board the Marine, uh, Marine uh, Medan was like a scene out of a horror movie and prov- proved the SOS message very accurate. Dead sailors littered the deck of the ship. Each man was found with faces frozen in wide-eye horror and in twisted terror. Their bodies had begun to decay abnormally fast. Rigor mortis had locked their arms into positions that made it seem as if the crew had died fending off some nightmarish attacker. That escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah. 
So the single animal on board was a pet dog uh, that had not escaped the grisly fate and was found with uh, a savage snarl frozen on its face. Now, some of these accounts vary because there's like there's like three different versions and stuff like that. And there's like some stuff that was in the Dutch newspapers. There's some stuff that's sure. So like so, so like I didn't really talk about it in my version of it, but right. there's the whole thing about like they found parts of the ship that were way colder than they should have been and stuff like that. Because oh. those didn't really like make sense to me, but sure. I, I mentioned them now. But oh, of course, of course. But uh, let's see. The bodies of the bridge officers were discovered in the wheelhouse and the chart room, perhaps trying to barricade themselves from whatever monstrous fate had befallen the rest of the crew. Now, that that varies by sources. Some of the sources say they tried to barricade themselves in, and some say they were just kind of like like the others, kind of rigor mortis into place. Sure. The engineering crew also had their stations below deck, with where they were discovered with the same frozen look of terror, arms stiff, fending off their attacker. Lastly, the radio operator who presumably sent the distress call was discovered still at his station, likely having died just moments after sending the SOS. The Silver, Pars, Silver Star search party made several notes about their discoveries aboard the Orang Medan. That's where we get a lot of these that made it into like Dutch newspapers mm-hmm. and stuff. Not a single crew member had any visible injuries. However, it was clear by their twisted expression and frozen limbs that they had suffered greatly. The bodies were also decaying much faster than they should be. Rigor mortis had locked the limbs in place. Uh, let's see. It's as if they had n- had no chance to lose muscle control and f- and fall to the floor. The rest of the ship was found in good condition with no apparent signs of damage or disaster. Uh, the, so the Silver Star decides to tow the ship back. Uh, they attached a line to it, but then all of a sudden the ship started... The Orang Medan started to emit smoke... Like there was a fire. Which is weird considering that it was fine yep. for hours before that. So it's, it starts emitting smoke, so then they cut the line from it, and then it blew up. And supposedly it blew up with so much force that they... And this is something you hear about like when tor- when some ships get hit with torpedoes and stuff like that, especially if they were carrying munitions. Oh, sure. The ship actually lifted... I've heard this in other World War II accounts. Oh, sure. Uh, the ship actually lifted out of the water from the force of the explosion. God damn. Uh, let's see. So the line was cut, ship exploded, force of violence it lifted out of the waves. Uh, so whatever secrets were aboard the vessel uh, disappeared as it sank. The first official mention of the incident made in Dutch newspapers was in 1948. And later, the U.S. Coast Guard uh, published a report in 1952. It was a merchant marine report, and uh, it had some of these supposedly accounts from I mean it's official so it's not like supposedly but right. by the same token right. from uh, people who would said they were you know crew members aboard the Silver Star anyway uh, publishing eyewitness testimony about the state of the crew uh, the report said that the crew were discovered and I quote their faces frozen upturned to the sun staring as if in fear their mouths gaping wide open and their eyes staring what would have taken the lives of the uh, entire ship's crew so quickly without leaving any wounds behind. Some speculate the cargo hold was loaded with potassium cyanide or nitroglycerin, which would have accounted for the sudden smoke and the explosion, but neither would account for the crew. And that's one of the leading theories that I don't talk about too much in this outline is, uh, as I've found some more sources talking about, maybe they were just straight-up smugglers, so they would have just renamed the ship with a fake name and quick... Oh. So they'd, they'd get an old ship that was about ready to be scrapped anyway. Sure. And then throw a fake name and fake registry on it. Right. Which is why we'll, we'll get to that part. Sure, yeah. Um, 
it, there's no like registration for that name in any of the ship registers mm-hmm. f- from around the world because like Lloyd's of London and all these really famous nautical organizations have registers of ships. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't. It's like surprisingly, you don't just lo- lose a lot of ships. I mean, you do because it's the sea and right. whatever. Yeah. But it's like as far as a ship being created mm-hmm. that didn't exist before, that's like that's fishy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fishy. You made a pun. Yay. <laughs> uh. Let's see. So, some speculate the ship was secretly carrying cargo from Japanese military unit 731, the infamous infamous for their chemical and biological experiments during World War II. Unit 731 routinely carried out horrific experiments on live American and Chinese POWs, and also, I will mention, uh, atrocities on civilians. Uh, I told the crew here we will do a whole episode about Japanese unit 731 because they're like the, the... they, they make Mengdala look like an amateur. Let's put mm. it that way. The kind of crap that they were into. Um, so some allege that the Orang Medan was carrying equipment and personnel from Unit 731 when uh, suddenly an accidental release of some unknown chemical weapon, perhaps, uh, affected the entire crew. I believe that. Which, honestly, that's based on the state of the bodies. Because, like, the rigor mortis, there are certain compounds that are used in chemical... Like, not VX, but there's a few others that... Uh, when they kill you, they, what they do is they make every muscle in your body, like, contract. Almost like, like really mad hard. cow disease. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, they attack the nervous system. And, I mean, it, you know, not to be too graphic, but if you've seen the video of, like, the chemical weapons attack that they've done in Syria mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or, you know, anything of chemical weapons in real life, it's like, what they're describing is kind of like what you, the people on the, you know, border the Orang Medan describe right because i would almost because i was kind of thinking that it was probably some sort of poisonous gas that does that to your to your system just basically makes you tense up in that way yeah so then there there would be no rigor mortis because your your all your muscles are already like so a a bunch of chemicals would would have released killed the crew that way and then you know they're out in the middle of the ocean so it all drift off drifted off the ship by the time the correct the other guys boarded as far as it exploding it's kind of like I think there might have been somebody else on board, hidden. Like, basically, like, they were... So, okay, so somebody strode away on board, released the gas from beneath the ship level, which is why it raised up and then dispersed off the ship. And then, as they were about ready to, like, take... as What was it? The star ship? Silver Star. Silver Star was, like, about ready to dock it. They were just like, oh, fuck no. So then, they basically launched a bomb or whatever, like, ignited, like, the ammunition on deck and then, like, pieced off, pieced out, like, in, like, their little submarine or something. I don't in know. their little submarine. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, maybe awesome. they stowed away on the other ship, you know? I don't know. Sure. So. Oh. Uh, because that just seems too perfect timing. It's like, as soon as they're about ready to dock it and tow it in, they're just, and it, it explodes? Like, the hell, you know? It is. It's just, like, there's so much that's strange about this. And like I said earlier, this is one that I always thought I would cover, and then I looked at it, did a like a I'd say like a level two mm-hmm. glance at it beyond just the surface story of holy shit a chemical weapons ship ghost ship right uh, and then between the registry stuff and just some of the details and stuff like that I was just kind of like well this can't be real that was yeah. kind of my reaction for I thought because this was originally like one of the first five topics I thought of for the oh, sure. memoir yeah, back yeah. in the day yeah however. I found new sources and new information came to light, and now I'm super convinced that something really, really fishy <laughs> happened with this. So let's see. The rest of the ship was found. Oh. Okay. As wanted as war criminals. 
As wanted war criminals, any surviving members of Unit 731 may have had uh, motivation for keeping the ship's identity a secret. Just like we said with, like, smugglers, same yeah. deal. Or, as we're going to get to, if it was some kind of clandestine CIA thing or something like that. Because it's like, that's based on that CIA letter, although the CIA letter, letter implies that they don't know why it did it. So it's like, this makes... I, I almost, my initial theory, once I learned that the CIA totally thinks this happened, I was kind of like, so was it the CIA doing an Operation Paperclip kind of thing where they were seizing chemical weapons from Japan right. to use in the Cold War or research or crap materials from 731, and they were trying to black ops, hush-hush, transport you know, it to some black, op, you know, black site or something like that. Right. But, uh, you know... In the letter that we've got here, it's more like they're scratching their heads wondering what the hell happened. But oh, yeah. they, the CIA definitely thinks this actually happened. Mm -hmm. So, uh, as far as skeptics go, like I said earlier when I was talking about why I became skeptical, uh, skeptics point out the Silver Star was also not on any known registries, which is literally like where I stopped reading last yeah. time. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, so the ship that even found it didn't exist? Sure. Okay, this is bullshit. Yeah. But... New sources showed me that uh, um, that's not the case. It turns out that uh, it was inaccurate to say that the ship didn't exist. And in fact, it was just under a different registry because when the ships get bought and sold and stuff like that, their names get changed all the time. So sure. actually, when it found the Orang Medan, its name was Santa Juanita or whatever. Santa Juana. Santa Juana. And uh, yeah, so... Totally different name, but it was the same ship, and we do have a paper trail for that ship existing and doing that stuff. So, public interest in the story of the Rangmadan ref is reflected in correspondence sent to the C uh, sent in the CIA in December of 1959. C. H. Mark Jr. of Scottsdale, Arizona, sent a private letter to the director of the CIA, Alan Dulles. Now, you're going to see some sources like the one I showed these guys that will say, we don't know who they sent it to. And I'm including the redacted letter. There's a link to it in the show notes. Uh, and his name is redacted off of here. However, other sources have found that there's references to this letter and to other letters that we know for sure from declassified stuff is Alan Dulles. So it's very clear we, there's a, like a good firm paper trail, even though technically the government is not saying it was Alan Dulles, that it's like... It was Alan Dulles, right, which it right. makes sense because it's like, who is the assistant director talking to as if he's talking to his boss? Yeah. So probably right. the only guy that would be his boss, the director. <laughs> so that's crazy because I was explaining to these guys how famous Alan Dulles is because, I mean, he's the, he's like the OG uh, spy master for, you know, America post-National Security Act, director of the CIA, practically invented like our Cold War operations and stuff like that. So big dude um and there's an airport named after him <laughs> so let's see uh yeah and so i've got some information listed here about kind of tracking down more about just take my word for it it's alan dulles but there's <laughs> but this this information will be in the show notes kind of illustrating how we we drew that conclusion in the letter, Mark explains the events from the discovery of the crew to the mysterious explosion he really like lays it out like beat by beat mm -hmm. Uh, and then he says, quote, I feel sure that the SS Serang Madan tragedy holds the answer to many of the airplane accidents and unsolved mysteries of the sea. Ooh. 
Mark also goes on to highlight what he calls alarming passages in Old English Chronicles. He talks about sightings of huge fiery spheres rising and disappearing in the sea by ship captains and crew. Most chilling of all, however, is the question Mark poses to the unknown recipient. Well, Alan Dulles. Do you think uh, something from the unknown is involved? Which this... I mean, you could read it in the original letter. That gave me goosebumps, because I'm just like, these are supposed to be like the master spies of the world here, and they're just like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, it's just like, it's like, this whole, the CIA letter, and you really, I, I, you know, I love the medium of podcasting, but I cannot implore you enough to click the link in the show notes and actually see this letter, because it's mind-boggling to be like, this is an official U.S. government document, and if you look at the URL, it's actually being hosted at... You know, from CIA. uh, CIA.gov from a Freedom of Information Act release. What exactly did Mark mean by something from the unknown being involved? What secret was he referring to? Why did he place both in quotation marks? If the Rang Medan was nothing more than a tall sea tail, why was the leadership of the world's most powerful intelligence agency in the world interested in the story? So, yeah, I'm... Now I'm looking at a photocopy of the the actual letter to Dulles from the actual... I'm going to keep saying actual and over and over again until you believe me. Uh, <laughs> Freedom of Information Act release. Here, his letter. And, uh, I mean, it looks like something that you'd make as a prop for, like, a creepypasta or sure. something like that. Because it just... Who talk... You know, it's like, I wish my correspondence with, like family and friends and co-workers was this interesting. Right. <laughs> Usually I'm just kind of like, yeah, that, that thing on my leg is still there. I keep scratching it and it won't go away. Maybe if I dried some topical cream. It's right. like, yeah, my baby threw up on my leg today. Cool. You know. Yeah. Whereas these guys are just like, let's contemplate the mysteries of the universe. Right. Why did all those sailors die shrieking in horror? It's the like, something from the unknown is weird. That, that phrase, something from the unknown, which means that the CIA has dealt with paranormal... That's what it makes me think. ...things. That's that's why I'm just kind of like... Like, they know there's shit out there, but you can't tell the populace that because that would incite major mass panic. Yeah. It, it's just... I mean, us weirdos would be like, sweet! But everybody else would be like... Holy fuck. It's the first official government thing I've ever seen, and maybe we'll get more like when we do Project Blue Book and stuff like that, and I have more of these Freedom of Information Act kind Mm -hmm, of stuff. mm -hmm. But it's the first official government document that I have looked at, direct source kind of thing, that just left me like, holy shit, these like leaders of the world do totally think there's something paranormal out there. Mm -hmm. And and have proof of it. And just like the... I don't know, the theological and psychological and sociological implications of that fact mm-hmm. are mind-boggling to me. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm amazed more people aren't just, like, walking around every day shrieking. It's like, oh, my God, it's all real. Right, you know? right. And it's like, oh, that's when you become a lunatic. And they're like, oh, it's a UFO weirdo. It's like, no, seriously. Yeah, right. Look at the direct, you know, the direct sources. Right, right, right. I just, yeah, that's... It's just so interesting because, like, you have the government, like, telling its people, like, it's not real, it's fake, blah, 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 you know. So then you have everybody else, like, repeating those same phrases, and you just grow up that way, thinking that this stuff isn't, can't, you know, isn't real. But then, like, you start learning more and more through, like, various niches of life that, oh, maybe, you know. And then you see something like this, you're like, oh, 
I guess it wasn't crazy. So anybody else weirded out by the last sentence on page one? Uh, then the vessel sank with all of her, in quotation marks, dead crew. <laughs> Maybe because he's he's quoting the, the people who experienced it, saying, quote-unquote, the dead crew. Yeah. Well, maybe they that were still maybe, lurking at the bottom of the sea. Maybe the boarding party was a CIA sweeping team, and they're they're like the the mob when they know there's a bug around. Oh, so sure. they they're like, "Hey, I'd like to buy a pet at the." And I'm doing air quotes as I do this. I'm, imit- <laughs> I'm doing a bit from Family Guy. I'd like to buy a bunny. What kind of bunny? <laughs> a semi-automatic like? bunny. <laughs> it, yeah, he he goes. Would you like a full auto bunny or a hand bunny? And he's just like. Whatever bunny you think would be best to shoot a guy in the back of the head. He's <laughs> like, here you go. There's your bunny. <laughs> and then, like, well, yeah, then you, yeah, I get it. Best. That's one of the best bits in Family Guy ever. I just, even though it's like a hundred years old, I love it. A terrific explosion, quote unquote. And the vessel sank with all of her, quote unquote, dead crew. Yeah. As I read this, though, I am seeing the that this guy really does like to just use... He's like, he was doing double quotes on on random words before yeah. it was cool, because he puts double quotes on rising from the sea, or <laughs> disappearing into the sea. <laughs> or at that very moment, smoke and flames belched forth from number four hole. <laughs> The fire was immediately so hot and so widespread that it was impossible to subdue. Yeah, and he's kind of almost describing St. Elmo's fire when he's talking about in the year 1500 A.D. Seriously, people, this is the weirdest goddamn government document ever. You have to see it. Uh, And he's talking about sightings in 216 B.C. by Roman soldiers in the skies over Sardinia. Which is interesting that they're even, like, referencing something so old as something like, yeah, that that happened. Yeah, this was the era where if you wanted to work in any kind of government office, you were totally like you had to be from one of the East Coast elite schools and ha- have like all. Basically, it's like you had to like learn Latin and Greek right, and stuff. Right. Like you had to have a cla- practically a classical education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's before like the the GI Bill and stuff like super democratized colleges. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Interesting. Yeah, it's just weird, man. Oh my gosh. So that is the bizarre and twisted tale of the Orang Medan. So kind of gone over a little bit like what we think happened. I Yeah, because I, I started with that theory that maybe it was like the CIA was smuggling Unit 731 stuff or something, you know, fishy. But they don't know what it was. So they know it was something fishy. They know it was something weird. Right. But they don't know... So, okay, so there is a report called Proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council. Yep, and that's the document that That they referenced. That he's probably direct quoting, which is why he's putting those things in quotes. Because, yeah, that's the official title of an actual, like, annual government publication from the Coast Guard, who puts that together. So I wonder if something from the unknown is from that document, or if it's something... Something from the unknown is not from that document. What is from that document is the... The rest of the double quotes? No, the quote quote about uh, um, their frozen faces were upturned right next to the title of it. Because it says, Proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council put it, colon, double quotes, 
Their frozen faces were upturned to the sun and were gaping open, the eye, their eye open and the eyes staring. That's the quote they pulled directly from that report. Right. So Which from, is even more, like, shit. <laughs> from the yeah. video, I interpret frozen as, like, literally frozen, like cold frozen. No. It, because in the video, they talked about where it reaches in the boiler room, where it reaches 128 degrees, their faces were still frozen. So that threw me off. But I, yeah, I, I take that as... There would like the temperature differential in the different parts of the ship. I don't know what that was all about, but I took the based on the like ten different sources I've looked at. I take that as like rigor Just mortis, lo- yeah, and um, and that's that's how I would have taken it too until I seen that temperature and, reference and and muscle contractions. That's what threw me off. But yeah, so I've actually weeded out some of the other some of the weirder, more like I considered outlandish stuff. You are free to like research this and look at the sources that we looked at and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't talk much about the like different temperatures, like parts of the ship that were on unnat- like supernaturally cold and shit like that, because uh, I couldn't find like multiple sources saying that. But, oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I just took it as like their bodies were frozen because of whatever they saw or experienced. Yeah, and, and made I them guess, like that, not because of like the temperature. Yeah, it, I'm guess I guess I'm approaching since I'm assuming. It was some kind of chemical weapon or like an industrial chemical leak or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I go into it totally assuming because that's my, how I'm contextualizing it in my brain that it was a chemical thing. So I'm totally assuming that they mean contracted because the muscles all cramped up. Right, and stuff. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was, that's what, that's what I think anyways. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack in that one. So to me, it mm-hmm. makes sense if... It was like an unregistered boat, I guess. Yeah. Like there was no real paper documents of it that they probably were smuggling something sketchy. Yeah. And I kind of go back to your original thing where the boarding party was government official, but I think they just went on there to blow it up and hide all the evidence. That's kind of where I'm at, where I'm just kind of like... Yeah, because I mean, that only makes sense if they know that there's they're carrying something, they wouldn't be far behind you'd think, kind of trailing it in case something happened. Right. And maybe it's because it's the 50s, mm-hmm. but my immediate reaction is that there are actually not a whole huge number of U.S. flagged, like, merchant vessels. And I realize that's more of a modern, like, probably in the 80s is when that sure. really started to, like, every ship is licensed to some other country mm-hmm. because it's cheaper for the registration and taxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... uh but yeah, it's just like that American ship got there like right away, or was the first one there. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just, and it's it's a little too old, and just before the era of like having super super locked down records that would just absolutely lay out everything in detail. Right. Yeah. So it's it's in that it's in that magic zone where it's just like it's like about as much detail as we can get. Yep, that's about as much detail as we will get because people didn't write as much. You know, it's like not. You know, like, what do they say? Thanks to the internet, we generate more data than existed in all of human history for the last, you know, like, umpteen, whatever. As long as there's been human records, we now generate that, starting in, like, 1990, and we now generate that much data in computers Mm -hmm. and stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, like, every, like, six months or something like that. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was no GPS tracker on that bad boy. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's the Orang Medan. Uh, I 
pleasant, well, not pleasantly surprised because I mean people died horribly and right, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but from a from a mystery, paranormal, sci-fi kook perspective, I enjoy. I I was happy to be to find that it's like this rabbit hole. You know, usually you look at these things, and sometimes it's why it's hard to find topics, is because mm-hmm. the closer you look, it's like, oh, this is clearly this, this is clearly oh, that. Sure. It's just like, all you need to do is, like, get past the very surface, like, assumptions. Mm-hmm. But this is one that's like, nope, this, this the rabbit hole only gets deeper, and then it ends. It's kind of like Summerton Man, where it's like, uh, no, it, it is truly a fucked up story, and there are truly no answers, and will never be answers for right, it. Right, right, but I think there's answers here. Like I'm sure there don't... were answers, but right. I'm just like... Well, I like how the tops of all those documents say approved for a release, so... Yeah. They're keeping some information. But... Well, oh, that, that's sure. why it says, dear, whatever, and then that's whited out. It's redacted. Right. Because this is from a freedom of information. Have you ever done, like, a FOIA request? No. Mm. Okay. So you can go to the government. You can pretty much, if you know paperwork about specific something exists. Info. Yeah, yeah. And if, like a specific department or you know there was a specific communication and journalists do it all the time but especially when you're trying to get at anything in the intelligence world or anything like that, it can be like that's where you get the jokes where a reporter will get a FOIA request back and there's literally like one sentence and the whole rest of the page is blacked out. Oh. <laughs> it's redacted. Really? Although, although there's that funny although there's that funny story where Whoever had blacked it out had used like the wrong kind of ink or wrong temperature or something. <laughs> oh, so sure. the guy could actually like read what was there in the like blacked out parts. Which, oh, really? That's pretty hilarious. Oh. But uh, no. Wild stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't, yeah. It's just. Huh, because those people had families back for wherever they're from, you know? So there's got to be some sort of family tree lineage there where, like, what, are these people just, are those guys just bachelors with no family? Well, that's super, either they have no family or because if it's a smuggler ship, especially, like, an illegal chemical smuggling ship in Southeast Asia in the 50s, then you've got, like, a a really interesting crew of characters who are basically the equivalent of, like, Somali pirates basically running that ship. Right. And so, so it's like... going to miss them? Yeah, finding a paper trail or anything like that is going to be... Impossible. I was super impressed that... I don't see this with a lot of other paranormal topics, mm-hmm. that uh, there are, like, a ton of YouTube videos and websites and stuff like that that investigate this case mm-hmm. that are foreign language. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. Like, it's really big in India. There's, like, Ten different Hindi. What does Orang Madan even mean? Uh, I don't know. It's. Oh. I mean, they 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 say it was flagged as Dutch. So yeah, that's a good question. We should like look that up like right now. Yeah, we should with the internet's in front of our faces. But if it's like an actual name, I'm kind of like. Orang means man, and Madan is the largest city in Indonesia. Island of Sumatra. Okay. So it just means man city. Yes. City man. A townie. <laughs> that's that's the fun part about translation is now you've got to like infer all the like meaning that isn't in the literal meaning of the words. Right. Sounds like, like a good small name for city a nightclub. 
Because I mean, I guess a ship of you know, like they are a small city. Gay night. It could it could be ever. It could be like the city. <laughs> it could basically be like their equivalent of the city slicker or something like that. You know, oh, true. it could have all sorts of weird connotations that we right. like. It's like my my German friends. Hey, what's up, Germany? Uh, who uh, they were all just in a pub going. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they uh, they all listen to this like every episode, but. Uh, they had a band when I was in high school, and we had foreign exchange students with that were German, and like my sisters would go over there to visit and stuff. Uh, the band that they were involved with was Die Totenhosen. <laughs> that translates into literally death pants. But uh, nice. It's uh, yeah, that's a fucking awesome name, mm-hmm. Die Totenhosen. And uh, but they would explain that the actual context of it is. It's something in German you say to be like, they wear the pants, they're in charge, they're the big man, or oh, whatever. It's like sure. so the, the the closest they could come up with in English was just kind of like saying that they wear the pants in the family or something like that. Oh, sure, sure. But the literal translation is death pants. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. As far as like, yeah, the tr- literal literal translation versus the connotations in the actual language and culture. Yep. Yeah. Context is fun. Yay, context. But yeah. So, anybody got any final theories before we put this one to rest? I laid my theory out where I think there was somebody on the ship. Basically, Batman had a gas mask and he hid in the hold and then he blew up the ship. But who knew if the guy that did the SOS signal... Like, where the hell was he when it first started happening? Because he must have had enough clean air to be able to see what was happening. He was probably up top on the ship. And then when he went down, he was actually going into the gas. And then well, the bridge is usually, like, and the chart room and stuff are, like, some of the higher rooms. Sure. And then the communication room is usually below, like, the bridge or the... Sure. And it, part of that's a, it's a visibility thing, because mm-hmm. part of why there's wraparound windows up there is just like, that's the room where they got to be like, hey, let's not ram that other ship. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, so side note here, looking it up, um, later this year, they're making a video game called Man of Madon, and it's about the ghost ship. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Weird. Weird timing, right? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I think Dude. it's actually this month on the 30th as its release. What? Yeah. I did not plan this. Five-player couch co-op. I will I will be super happy to ride the SEO wave that publishing this right on top of that release will give us. <laughs> no shit. But, uh, Who's releasing my game? Uh, it's called The Dark Pictures, and then the chapter is Man of Madon. Um, what is the name of the video? Sounds like an indie developer. Oh, yeah, yeah it's probably not much traction. <laughs> IGN has gameplay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, then maybe. It's, oh. Okay, we will definitely have to check that out. What uh, what uh, consoles? PS4. Okay. Xbox One, Windows. We can totally do that. They are not fucking around. Super massive games. That's the developer. Super massive games. Okay. Uh, yeah. Any developer. Yeah. For sure. But it looked it has a pretty dope picture. So Is it a picture of a ship? Uh it's <laughs> actually like a double exposure of a skull with a ship with a ghost ship and a man's face. Interesting. Yeah. Triple exposure, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of exposures. Sorry, you just couldn't is, leave that alone. This lid is like it's effed up. Ah, oh, there we go. Huh. 
I get, feel better. Getting your OCD covered there. <laughs> yes. Okay, so there's this lid, there's a jar, and the, the knob for the lid was like raised up from the top. A perfect opportunity to shamelessly plug the dress code, which is, this is the famous jucket from that show where they draw, where comedian Zach Dresch uh, and his guests draw topics out of this jar, and then uh, that's what they talk about on the show. Rob purposely put it here so we could shamelessly plug it. Yep. And I was I, I totally fuck with the jar. Totally planned that as a, as a segue into a shameless plug. Yes. So. Speaking of shameless plugs, uh, tickets on sale now at the uh, East, East, Ten East 10th Street uh, Last Stop CD Shop for uh, an evening with the Sioux Empire Podcast Network. Uh, live recording of the Dresh Code, live recording of Urban Indians Podcast. Be sure to check it out. Go. Yes. Or don't. But go. But go. <laughs> definitely, go. Definitely go. Please, please go. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming, everybody, tonight, and uh, we will see you all next time. Bye! Macabre Grimoire is a production of the SiouxEmpire.com. Learn more at macabregrimoire.com.